This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to episode number 32 of Go To Grandma. I'm Kathy Buckworth, your self-proclaimed go-to grandma, as we explore everything that today's grandparents need to know about. Or do we already know everything? Does being older automatically make you wiser? I might tell my kids and my grandkids that, but is it really true? While we certainly have more experience being in the world, simply due to our years on it, have we gained more knowledge because of it? I certainly know some people my age, 58, that I wouldn't consider to be the smartest people I know. And I know some young folks that share some great wisdom with me. We're going to explore the concept of aging to saging with author and rabbi Ralph ben Murgy, who returns to the show as his old and improved self. You can find him also on episode number 15 of Go To Grandma when he told us about his new memoir, I Thought He Was Dead. On episode number 24, I talked to Stats Canada about a new survey on Canada's aging population. Today, we get more into the numbers to talk about the impact of this aging demographic in terms of labor force, social programming, and other societal impacts. Are you ready for travel? Are you ready for multi-generational travel? Have you thought about where to go, where to stay, and who's responsible for what? You need a plan, trust me. I talked to Kathy Burrows of RBC as part of our Take 5 with RBC series about what to consider before you make your plans. It's another great show, if I do say so myself, and I'm so glad you're here with me. Grab a coffee, dip your tea bag, chug some water. It's all coming up. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and you're listening to Go To Grandma. Award-winning broadcaster and host of the Not That Kind of Rabbi podcast, Ralph ben Murgy is also an ordained spiritual counselor, seeing individual clients and running workshops on aging to saging and creating your own spiritual toolkit. Now we can add author to the list with the publication of his new book, I Thought He Was Dead, a spiritual memoir. Good morning, Ralph ben Murgy. Thanks for coming back on the show. My pleasure, Kathy. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So when I send out the guest information sheets, I ask, of course, you know, to provide me with what we're going to speak about today. And you put for topic old and improved, which I thought was awesome. And so we're used to hearing new and improved, but old and improved sounds better to me. Well, it's a thing, right? Like nobody thinks of old and improved. They think of old as degenerate and <laughs> falling apart and past its due date and, and all these things. But it doesn't take into account the idea that as we get older, we gain experience. And if we cultivate that experience into something bigger, then we can actually share wisdom and mentor people and be uh, valuable parts of society instead of you know, as I've said before, uh, somebody looking for a discounted shoppers on a Tuesday. (laughs) Exactly. You raise a couple of points here, which we're going to get into a little bit more in terms of does getting older necessarily make you wiser? But I wanted to start with the first question, which is does age matter? You know, I guess it depends on what it is. For one thing, in terms of the commodity of wisdom, sometimes a seven-year-old can say something truly wise, but they don't have a clue that it's actually a wise thing to have said. (laughs) But Sometimes a 70-year-old can tell you something that really is because they have bothered to consciously think about how their life has progressed. So age can matter in some ways. Does age matter uh, in hiring people? Mm. Well, there are biases all over the place about that, right? Why would I hire you? You're 62. You're only going to stay for three years because we think everyone's 
packing it in at 65, mm -hmm. but it's a different time. People live longer and uh, healthier and uh, can do more things. And we need to value people when they're older, not say thank you for your service and go sit in the corner or play golf. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. Just on Twitter the other day, I have some friends. I'm 58. I have some friends that are retiring at 55. And I put out, um, I have these friends retiring at 55 and it absolutely flummoxes me because I'm not sure what I would do with all of my time. And I asked the question, are you thinking of retiring? And I got so many responses back in terms of cannot wait counting the days from 40-year-olds, some of them, and some from who literally only had days left, and other people who were in their 70s saying, I'm never retiring. This is awesome. So we can't always assume that that's where we want to go, right, when we get a bit older. Well, here's the thing. You have to factor in, do they like what they do? Mm -hmm. Are their jobs satisfying to them? And just because they don't want to do that job anymore, we call it retiring. Right. But they may find meaning and purpose all over the place the minute they get out of the place that they've had to go to, in their opinion, to make a living and to provide for people. And they just go, no, I, I do I want to commute Mm -hmm. you know, 70 to 90 minutes a day to work? Do I like my boss? No. I mean, these, you know, do I like the work? Is the workplace a place I can trust? No. Mm -hmm. So those are things that matter, not just retire from work, retire from the kind of work uh, because yes. the work sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned this when you're saying sometimes we're just retiring from one thing and we're moving on. How do we renew our purpose when, when we do that? There's the trick, right? Mm -hmm. Because often our ego moves us through our younger life with ambition and goals and am I good enough? And yes, I've made it. And I want to make more money while I still can. And all these things kind of, you know, as separate egoistic people, we push ourselves through things. But once you're older, you can make the switch to a, a more spiritually based idea of what life is about for you and you can start to look at purpose in a different way and say what if i had a speech to give to the united nations i talk about this and i thought he was dead in the book mm -hmm. if i have a speech for the united nations today what would it be about would it be about peace would it be about the environment would it be about global governance i have no idea but if you wrote it down you'd realize these are things i care about right. and then you can align yourself with making a difference in those spheres, right? Mm -hmm, Instead mm -hmm. of just watching it and ho-humming and click-clicking as you read the paper, you could actually say, I now have a bit more time so that I can help other people in, in a cause and say, I don't need to be a full-time person. I can be part-time or I can do this because I have a good pension if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can help other people. But Purpose has to become about what matters in your life. Is it about connect connected communities or family? Whatever it is, then you can now focus on that and not worry so much about your own career and your own ambitions. And I think what you said in terms of making it in a into a speech or, or even just writing it down, and we don't have to write it down and put it into a book or anything like that, like you did, but really making sure that we understand what our purpose is. And we're so, maybe we're just so busy before we, you know, retire or before we go on to the next one that we don't have time to think about what really matters. We're just doing it. Yeah, and when you thought about the idea that you would retire, you think, no, I still have a purpose. I still right. have things I want to talk 
talk about. So that's what matters, not, you know, were you working at a, at a radio station where it was really nice to work there or really awful? That's a right. different question. Right, exactly. Well, I worked 20 years corporate before I started, corporate banking, in fact, before I started writing books. And I agree, I, I sort of renewed my purpose that way. And Ralph, I will just keep talking until people stop listening. So that's <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> my kids and everyone. The family as they walk out the door. Exactly, I'm still okay, talking. Bye. You Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> I used to ask my kids, you know, why do I have to get to the point of yelling and my daughter said to me mom we don't listen the first time so there you go and now they can listen to this so maybe i've gotten smarter because i've been talking a lot maybe i've gotten smarter because i am aging we talked about this at the beginning i'm gonna loop back to it is wisdom a natural byproduct of getting older i don't think it is in our society mm-hmm. because we see ourselves as a commodity and as we get older we're treated as body parts at the uh, you know at the auto body shop we are body parts to a lot of people mm-hmm. and I think wisdom is the ability to really have a reflective part of life. Where have I come? You know, who do I love? Well, how have I made a difference? What do I regret? What do I want to be remembered for? Right? Mm-hmm. And if you can start to write those things down, if you can start to sort of take stock of yourself and reflect and think, well, how do I feel about where I'm at now? And then really start to think about the bigger issues of what it is to be a human being. You know, Thich Nhat Hanh, the the Buddhist uh, teacher who was highly influential, just passed away at 91 years of age. And he had this whole movement called the Plum Village uh, out of France, and it was brilliant. He was a Vietnamese monk. And what he talked about is that we are interbeings, Mm -hmm. that we are part of a web of life and uh, and of existence. And that even, he said, when I die, I am not gone. I am in the trees. I am in the wind. I am under your feet, right? Mm -hmm. So really, it's a good time to be able to incorporate bigger ideas into your head and then start thinking about not consciously think, oh, I think I'm getting wise, but actually start filling up that part of your tank so that you can offer things to people from a perspective of experience and compassion, of being kind to yourself and kind to other people when you speak, right? And that's where some wisdom can come. And offering it to people who really want to receive it, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between unsolicited advice (laughs) and humility and wisdom. Mm -hmm. Humility means you should know when you should lead, when you should follow, and that you can gain wisdom from people who are younger than you, too. Mm -hmm. It's not about, listen to me, Sonny, when I was your age, (laughs) they turn you off. It's just listen to the situation you're in, and if you think there's something of value you can offer, weigh it before you say it, but say it. But say it exactly right. And especially as as grandparents, and I know you're a granddad, you're called Papa. How old are your grandkids, Ralph? They are now six and almost five. Okay, so nice nice age to be able to have conversations, starting to have conversations with at any rate. Mine are too young to do that with. But do you find yourself imparting words of wisdoms for five and six-year-olds? Do they hear you? No, the six-year-old walks up to you and goes, your tooth looks funny. Yeah, right. (laughs) You know what? Bug off. Yeah, Yeah, your hair is gray. Stop. But just on the top. Why is your hair so gray? (laughs) They're lovely. They're treasures, aren't they? Uh, They are treasures, in fact. And thanks for joining us again on the show. If people want to find more about you and some of the things you're working on, they can go to your website at ralphbenmurgy.ca. Of course, you're on social media, Twitter, Ralph Ben and Instagram, Not That Kind of Rabbi. And your book is called I Thought He Was Dead. And I love that book, as you know. So thanks again for joining us. I really appreciate it. I'd love to have you back again. 
again. My pleasure, Kathy. Anytime. Take care. Lynn Barr Telford is the Assistant Chief Statistician of the Social Health and Labor Statistics Field at Statistics Canada. The Social Health and Labor Statistics Field provides accurate, timely, and relevant information across a range of social subject matters to decision makers at all levels of government, to non-governmental organizations, to researchers, and to the Canadian public. Good morning, Lynn. Thanks for coming back on GoToGrandma. Today, we're going to talk about your survey again, which was released in October 2021 called The Economics and Health of an Aging Population. And we are going to focus on the impact of an aging population. So how will increased retirements among older adults affect the labor force? Thank you, Kathy. I'm I'm really happy to be back. And, And as you said, last time we talked about how the population is aging, and now we're going to talk about what that means mm-hmm. and how that will impact us as Canadians. In terms of the labor force and the economy, as we see more retirements and more elderly Canadians, more of the population is likely to be depending on social programs, whether it's mm-hmm. healthcare, home care, or retirement benefits. But less of the population is going to be in the workforce that generates the taxes to pay for these programs. And that makes it harder to balance revenues and expenditures. So let me make this real. Almost one in four working Canadians are 55 or older today, which means they're likely to be thinking about retirement in the next 10 years. I happen Mm -hmm. to be in that particular group. (laughs) Me too. In another way, in 2017, there were four people in the labor force for every retiree who is 65 or older. Move ahead to 2036, and that ratio is is likely to drop to less than three to one. So wow. that really gives you a sense of the impact. Now, there's some things that might offset and help to offset the trend. Immigration of the younger workers, Canadians over 55 are being more likely to work than in previous decades. Even Canadians over 65 are delaying their retirement. But these factors alone, they're not enough to really stop what we're seeing in terms of change. So what is the economic outlook for seniors and what is driving wealth inequality among them? So when we think about the needs of our older retired Canadians, for example, we really do need to think about their economic well-being. And even though the poverty rate among seniors is about half the rate among Canadians as a whole, there's still meaningful wealth inequality among our senior Mm -hmm. population. So in 2019, for example, the top 10% of seniors had a net worth over $2 million, while the lowest 10% had a net worth of less than $17,000. So when you see gaps like this, we're really talking about wealth inequality. And that matters because for most seniors, their economic well-being is really tied to their wealth. Are they homeowners? Do Mm -hmm. they own their home outright? Are they still paying a mortgage? Do they have a pension? These are all the drivers of wealth inequality. So if you own a home and you have a pension, you're better off than families that, you know, have less net worth. And many seniors are also on a fixed income. And they do rely on the incomes from government programs, like things like Canada and Quebec pension plans, old age security, guaranteed income supplements. Without these particular programs, the senior poverty rate in Canada would actually be around 45%. So even though these programs are indexed, they haven't seen much growth in the last uh, few decades. 
You know, while the median in- income of Canadian families has grown about 25%, seniors have fallen behind. So we really do need mm-hmm. to account for that economic uh, inequalities, those wealth inequalities. And moving from wealth to health, is our senior population healthy, especially in the context of the pandemic? Will the aging population put greater pressure on our health care system in the future? You know, Kathy, I think we've all seen that the pandemic has had a significant impact on our senior population, mm-hmm. and particularly those who are in the 80-plus age group. You know, they accounted for 93% of the deaths that were attributed to the virus. They accounted for about 64% of excess deaths. Those are when deaths are, are more than what we expect in terms of the number. And this has definitely pointed to our, you know, some of the vulnerabilities in our population, mm-hmm. but also in our system as a whole. You know, and when we see this level of strain on our health system, it also can indirectly impact those who have chronic conditions or multiple health issues. You know, we've seen some suspensions of cancer screening, some reduced physical activity during lockdowns, and these kinds of things, you know, they may lead to an incidence of higher cancer rates or cardiovascular disease in the future, especially for our older Canadians. So we really need to pay attention to that and to that 80-plus population that's growing. As I said, this is the age where seniors are more likely to be in need of assistance, more likely to need formal and informal assistance, whether it's from the system itself or from family. And this can put pressure on the system, but it also can put pressure on our caregivers, uh, particularly Mm -hmm. women who often contribute a lot to caregiving in this country. So let's end on a positive note, shall we? Let's. What are some of the positive aspects of this demographic change and how do older adults contribute in particular? Well, you know, we should never make the mistake of seeing our aging population in, as a burden. Our older Canadians, they make a significant contribution to the quality of life in, in this country. Older Canadians are influential, they're a politically active group, they're staying healthier, and they're staying active and involved for longer. In fact, they're the most likely of any age group to be our top volunteers. So that's in the, you know, the 25% of volunteers who, who actually give the most hours. Mm-hmm. They're also more likely to vote in federal elections. So, you know, when we think of our seniors, we often think of them as receivers of care. But Kathy, they're also providers of care. Um, mm-hmm. They're more likely to volunteer. They're more likely to perform care work than our younger workers. And this is no small commitment. So the informal, the unpaid work that seniors do in our care it's absolutely crucial. They have a lot to offer. They do offer a lot. And, um, you know, it really comes with some pretty significant opportunities as well. Absolutely. It's always fun diving into the numbers and seeing what they really mean to us. And if we want more information, we can go to the Statistics Canada website or find Stats Canada on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under StatCan underscore English or French. Thank you so much again, Lynn, for joining us. Fascinating stuff. Well, thank you, Kathy. And thanks to all of your listeners. Kathy Burroughs works as a pioneer in customer management strategy and execution in financial services. As Senior Manager Marketing for RBC Bank U.S., she supports a cross-border team of specialists in acquiring, engaging, and retaining clients. She has been a lecturer in MBA executive education programs and an international conference speaker in her more than 30 years with RBC. But really, she likes to say her job is to make banking better for clients, and that includes sharing multi-generational travel tips from her experiences as a great aunt. 
Good morning, Kathy Burrows. Thanks for being on again as part of our Take 5 with RBC series. Today, we're talking about multi-generational travel. And I know you have lots of tips to share with me. So what are you going to share with us in terms of having a safe and fun trip? Well, thanks, Kathy. And it's great to be back with you. I know we've talked about North Carolina golf, with which I have limited experience. (laughs) But extended family travel is in my repertoire. And while some of the tips have not changed from plans I made just a few years ago with extended family, there are, of course, some new ones to be considered these days with Mm COVID-19. So here goes. Number one, I think really getting everyone involved in the planning is upfront is really important because as in most of life, good planning makes for good results. And the fact is not everyone on the trip lives together mm-hmm. or always knows what others may like. So getting some input up front really just makes for a better trip all around. From the kids as well, yeah. too. We want to get their input also. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, trust me, that comes up in one of my other tips I will share. <laughs> but once the destination's set, I think it's also an invaluable tool to think about assigning one person just to take over. It can be easier to let that one person just organize for the logistics or the overall plan and details that can then be shared with all. And for our family trip, actually, that was me, <laughs> which I didn't mind doing. It was it was fun, actually. I think another tip is thinking about and talking over the accommodations, because again, everyone doesn't live together day to day. So agreeing on accommodations that can give everyone their space is really important. In fact, even separate spaces between adults and little ones. Mm -hmm. And so this could be a resort setting or maybe a house or a villa rental option. And for us, this was actually an oceanfront house on the beach in North Carolina. Lovely. It was fab. Another important tip is really to make activities optional. And with our family, this meant that only some of them went on the visit to the aquarium, which was cool, but I'd already seen it. Mm -hmm. But All of us traveled for the picnic on the island where the wild ponies lived, which we all loved, but we got soaked in a rainstorm. (laughs) And then equally, every one of us was up before 6 a.m. one morning and watched the sea turtle nest boil on the beach in front of our house. And if you don't know that term, a turtle nest boil is actually when the turtles hatch and we watched them all march down to the ocean. It was really a once in a lifetime magic time that all of us speak about today, even today. Amazing. It was amazing. And then I think another important point, and this is getting into some of the nitty gritties, is really chatting about the money up front. Is someone footing the bill or how will costs be shared? I think it's really just good practice to set expectations and it just lets everybody budget and manage accordingly. Mm -hmm. Another one um, I think that's important for your audience is, is letting folks know that grandparents are not built in babysitters. Even with our family trip, we scheduled a couple of times for the parents to take off in the afternoon or the evening, but at least it was part of the plan. And so there were no surprises and everybody had a better time. I agree. It's like knowing when they have the time off is good for them and knowing when you're committed already is good for you too. I love that point. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And then I think really importantly, again, a little bit more than nitty gritties is thinking about and planning meals in advance. Whether it's eating in or eating out, it's an important planning element. And as you know best, Kathy, it also means making sure everyone's mm-hmm. eating preferences and restrictions are known and considered when you're planning. Exactly. And then one of the final tips is don't overschedule. And I learned this in spades when my 30-something nephew looked at the spreadsheet I had prepared <laughs> and asked if it was necessary that all family members go to bed at 8.30 p.m., which is how <laughs> I scheduled it for the under eights in the crew. I would do that. <laughs> Clearly not intended for all of the adults, unless they really wanted to. (laughs) These are all great tips for planning. I can hear people writing down notes as we're talking. But what are some of the new considerations as a result of COVID? 
Yeah. So as we've all experienced during the past two years, conditions and rules can change really quickly. So before you go, I think it's really important to check the government and if you're flying the airline websites for the most current information. And even when you're on vacation, I think it's important to keep track of any updated requirements that may have come up in Canada, which could impact your return home. And I also think it never hurts to have a backup plan in case you need to stay longer due to a positive test. And this can be really important because it can impact not only your accommodations, but of course the expenses. Absolutely. So what else would RBC Bank suggest folks add to the list when planning? Well, as a banker, I'd be remiss to not recommend that everyone consider and plan for travel insurance, Mm -hmm. whether that's cancellation of the trip insurance to health coverage. And those things have changed during COVID as well. So I think it's important to look at the underlying details for all of that, as well as any banking and credit card considerations. And I guess for anyone traveling to the U.S. or places where U.S. currency is used, I would always recommend a cross-border banking bundle from RBC Bank. It just makes life simpler. Great tips as usual. Thanks again for joining us. Kathy, if we want more information, we can go to rbcroyalbank.com slash U.S. Banking. Truly appreciate your time today. Thanks again. Thank you. Take care. I am really looking forward as I get older and older to being less and less nice. No, I didn't say this. Annette Benning did. Maybe that's what we learn as we get older, that we don't have to be nice all the time. I hope not, but I do find that I don't let people who aren't adding value to my life take up too much of my time. We don't have to attend every argument we're invited to, and sometimes just knowing you're right is enough, even if you aren't right. I try to keep this philosophy as I scroll through social media. Thanks to Ralph ben Murgy for his always approachable wisdom. Pick up a copy of his book if you haven't already. Next week on Go to Grandma, we extend our family just a little bit as I talk to television and radio personality Pei Chen, the proud aunt of a niece and nephew, and how she helps to extend and explain the traditions of her parents, the grandparents. Personal trainer and grandma of four, Marika Peterson is back on the show to tell us about the five exercises we can never forget to do to stay agile and to prevent injury. Marika was on episode 14 when she took us through some other exercises that we could easily do at home. Maybe start your warm-up with those. Our Take 5 with RBC series continues with a discussion about Tell Us Wise, a consumer education program focused on wise internet and smartphone practices available to all Canadians. We're a half hour older than we were at the start of this show, and by virtue of time passing, you're not smarter. But if you listen to our guests, I'm sure you are. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and you've been listening to Go To Grandma. Enjoy your grand journey. See you here next week. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her, Kathy at KathyBuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air and The Garden Show.